Welcome to Booking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and last, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Stage 21 at Universal Studios at Universal Orlando Resort. It's total non-stop action wrestling impact. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Griffin, joined as ever by my partner in podcasting, Piss Eddery, UTT. Rob, Rob, how are you, mate? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, pe- people will be surprised because uh, this is dropping in the middle of our lost episode mini series, uh, just to get the timings right. <laughs> yeah, we're nothing if not uh, we're nothing if nothing if not organised, are we? It's uh, it's also going to be our first time being somewhat topical as well on this show. But before we get into it, um, just want to say, at time of recording, it's uh, it's 25th of August. It's been a sad week in the in the wrestling world. With the passings of, uh, of of Terry Funk and, and Bray Wyatt, and there's not a lot that we can say that hasn't already been said on you know online and, and on shows themselves, no doubt. By the time this comes out, but I felt we had to at least uh, mark the occasion and send our condolences to both the uh, the Funk and the Rotunda families and and all the loved ones. But we won't linger on that because I say it's not it's it's not going to be too topical for us by the time this comes out, and. Today's subject matter is in line with something that's uh, that's going to be airing very shortly, and it's going to be Impact 1000th episode, which is a hell of a milestone for the company to get to. Only the second one behind WWE, I believe, in terms of wrestling, Rob. Um, unless you can pluck something out of uh, out of the ether, at least in terms of American wrestling. In terms of American wrestling, yeah. I mean, World Sport ran for over 30 years, 33 years. So that was on every week and twice a week up until 76. So they would have cracked it. Yeah, so to mark the 1,000th episode of Impact, we thought we'd go back and look at the first ever episode of Impact. And to do that, we thought we'd bring someone in uh, who's a big Impact fan and an absolute wizard in everything he does, but especially Photoshop. We've got King Pig's Bladders, KPB. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I am so glad to be back. I am so happy to be covering this topic as well. I mean, when you first said, you know, let's cover TNA 1, I was thinking, great, testing Albert. Understand me, brilliant. I can't wait. And then I realised <laughs> you meant impact. But I, yeah, I am sorry. really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we had to get you on, as I say. You're a fellow impact fan. You're still watching the current product, aren't you? The current product is like my 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 favourite programme, sort of after sort of probably watching the uh, the WWE ones, to be fair. I mean, I enjoy it way more than I enjoy AEW. Ring of Honor, uh, Athena's brilliant, but Ring of Honor, it, it's just not on the same level as Impact. Impact is brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely my go-to as well. Rob, sorry, you were going to come in there. No, no, you, you, you've gone on there. I was just going to say Test and Albert because they had Trish in the background, and that would be slightly topical given that she's <laughs> back in WWE <laughs> in a major feud. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. is that for you with Becky Lynch still going on? Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. It's going to finish it, it, in a cage match at payback. Oh, right. Okay, so they are getting the pay-per-view blow-off. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's been okay. It's not been a great feud, and Trish hasn't looked great in the ring, but, you know, she's come in and done what she needed to do. Too wrestling in ring based, you know, they'll they'll come out and stand in the ring and cut promos at each other, you know, I, I, to, to drag this on so long. Um, yeah. they, they should have gone off campus and, you know, filmed some vignettes and stuff because it, it, it doesn't feel like we're getting anything added to it. It just feels like we're treading water. Yeah, especially, you know, let's just throw Zoe Stark at her. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. Fair enough. Bit of Groundhog Day. Yeah, very much, very much so. But uh, but we're not doing Test and Albert, so... I was just about to praise Impact as well for its, uh, for its knockout division, but there's not exactly a lot of, uh, a lot of female representation on this, on this show that we're going to be covering. Uh, but before we get into that, is anybody drinking? Well, I am indeed tonight, and I, I will admit I've, I've, I've gone down Dan's favourite drink for the first one. I, I've got a John Smith's. Oof, my favourite drink. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I I love hand pulled John Smiths. The uh, the smooth the smooth flow stuff out of the can. <laughs> Not so sure about the electric stuff. There is a reason behind it. It's one of them. You know, you know when you you first go into a pub sometimes and your mouth just feels horrible. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't taste right. And today was one. I need something to wake my mouth up, and then I can actually enjoy the next one. Is that just by comparison? Yes. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we best not disparage John Smith too much, otherwise we'll be getting a visit from uh, from Trey Butler. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, he's a fan of the John Smiths and the Tetleys and all that. Have you got anything to follow that up, KPB? Or you... I've actually got a couple that you've actually sent me still. I've actually got the Hecat, which is the uh, the dark chocolate and coconut style, and that does sound very, very nice. So I'll be uh, cracking that one open next. And then followed by the Mexican Hot Chocolate Imp Stout. Oh, lovely. We're going to go into the main event well-oiled. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love it. And they're, of course, from Tartarus. Uh, But I won't steal Rob's thunder plugging the the promo code. Uh, Rob, what do you want, buddy? Well, I'm actually starting out on a Tartarus beer, which is Rainbow Serpent, which is a Rocky Road milk stout at 5.8%. Uh, it's really lovely. I've given it a 4 out of 5 on untaps. Um, so with all this uh, mention of Tartarus beers, if people want to drink Tartarus beers, they can uh, log on to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15 and get 15% off. And I heard you do that. Yeah, yeah, you should do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they've got some... Um, Variety boxes uh, that are 50% off as well, so you can get a, a double bonus. After that, uh, I've got a couple of Welsh beers, both from uh, Meridian's Brewery. Uh, I've got Old Meridian's, which is a strong Welsh IPA at 7.1%, which apparently has pine and grapefruit, so that'll be interesting. And then uh, I've got a Cluid... Abermall, which is an amber ale at um, 4.2% from the same brewery. So, yeah, looking forward to those. Very nice. So if it's a Welsh IPA, does that make it a wiper? <laughs> yeah, quite, probably. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, on, on the back of the bottle, it says it's a strong Welsh pale ale as opposed to an IPA. So, oh, Fair enough. Well, I, I enjoyed my joke anyway, so bollocks. Um, I've gone to the... Uh, 
the dark side of craft beer, the mass produced. I'm actually on a, a can of uh, Brewdog. I've got their Palm Beach Pina Colada uh, New Zealand, not New, not New Zealand, any IPA, Northeast IPA, isn't it? When it's in New England. Oh, New England. I can't fucking remember. There's too many of them. It's very nice. It tastes very much like a pina colada. And you've got a one tap of all, so I had to drink it at some point. And then I'm moving on to our friends at Brew York. And again, I'm nothing if not uh, on the pulse of what's going on at the moment. So I've actually found a couple of their Eurovision-themed beers. And the, the one after that will be uh, a collab-a-vision with uh, Most Loyal uh, Brewery, which is Fernando and Filippo, which is an almond chocolate and Tonka Imperial White Stout at 8%. And then next up is the collaboration with Hidden Springs, and that's Adrenalina, which is a rhubarb, orange, vanilla, ginger, and cinnamon pastry sour at 7%. Oh, that, that rhubarb sour sounds uh, fantastic. Although I do hope that you, we're going to get a ring, rendition of Ya Ya Ding Dong when you crack into that Eurovision thing to be That was the noise I made the last time I caught myself in my zip. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's a good good range of beverages there, lads. Just before we get into the show, what would you recommend people drink while watching this first episode of Impact uh, KPB? Now, I've, I've gone into a lot of thought on this one, and there isn't a drink that's available that really suits this, this show, to be fair. So mm. you have to combine two drinks. Okay, so you need white lightning <laughs> and a jar of Nescafe Gold Roast. What the fuck? And you just add about six or seven teaspoons of um, gold roast to your, your your pint, and then you set because it's just you know it's just such a fast paced show. It, it's go from start to finish, and that is exactly what that drink represents. Heart attack in a in a three liter bottle, pretty much. Fair enough. That I think that's definitely the uh, the first time we'd be recommending something like that. Uh, KPB innovating as always. Uh, Rob, what would you recommend? Well, actually, I, I do have a beer called that I only just thought about in the cupboard called Shark Bay and Shark Boys on uh, on <laughs> this show. So I may actually run over and get that and crack into it while we're reviewing the show and ha- have a live uh, one if uh, if that counts. Uh, Alternatively, I'll have to come up with, uh, well, I mean, I was going to go with um, Top Rope Bruins Canadian Destroyer because Peter Williams and Team Canada are on the show, which is a 5.8% stout from Top Rope Brewing Company, which I've given four out of five to on taps. Uh, it's, it's really decent, as is a lot of stuff from Top Rope Brewing. But, yeah, I'm sorely tempted to do a live uh, Shark Bay for Shark Boy when we get to go that on, point. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I think we need to, yeah, I think we need that on this show. I put less thought into mine, but mine is a recommendation that comes from sheer surprise. And it's one I actually drank on the show a little while back. And it's a Pisco Sour IPA by Bad News Beer Company. It's 4.5%, and I gave it four out of five on untapped. And that's significant because it was bloody lovely, but it was from a beer 52 box. Oh. And it's one of those incredibly rare things that it's a beer from a beer 52 that doesn't sit around the two and a half to three mark or lower. It's a shame that there isn't like a, a beer 52 tag on untapped and then we could <laughs> filter what we've had and, and see if this actually plays out or if it's just a stereotype. You can create tags though, can't you? 
Yeah, but we can't remember what's come from Beer 52 and go back over the last three years that we've had the app or oh, it's pre-pandemic, four years or whatever. Oh God, no. But we can we can start it from now. Yeah. Yeah. Ships the ship's already sailed though, hasn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Uh does Beth have a beer of the week for us or is she still on uh, on hiatus? Uh, she's still on hiatus at the moment. Oh dear. Oh well, that's no problem. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll get into this. I say on hiatus, so she sat in the living room and watching TikToks uh, all night. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So a bit of background on the on the first episode of Impact. In, in May 2014, they announced that they negotiated a television deal with Fox Sportsnet or FSN, where they would get a one-hour time slot on Fridays in the vast majority of markets putting TNA on unrestricted cable and satellite for the first time. Uh, they began taping this new weekly series uh, that month in Universal Studios Soundstage 21, and it was obviously named TNA Impact. And the first episode that we'll be covering today premiered on June the 4th, 2004. Uh, it was also the debut of the six-sided ring and began as a second weekly show alongside the weekly pay-per-views, which lasted until September 8th of the uh, of the same year. Uh, the initial run on Fox Sports Net uh, lasted a week shy of a year and came up after 51 episodes. Um, just straight away, I don't know about you guys, but I was I was quite happy to see the old six-sided ring. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, lo- love seeing that. Love seeing that. Uh, we should probably just mention as well, as we made him go, uh, um, he-, he was spending the day in um, in Margate and uh, we made him return home to find his list of TNA bookers to tell us who'd booked this show. So big shout out to uh, Danny at Scottish Juggalo. According to Danny's list, it was um, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett and Vince Russo that was booking the show at the time. Fair enough. They did a good job. Yeah, KPB laying his, laying his cards out early. <laughs> wow. There are points. There are indeed. Yeah. We'll start out with the well with the intro, which was some proper mid-2000s goodness with some generic rock and action clips with the, uh, the sort of overlaid static effect. Um, one thing I did like was that they actually made taping at Universal feel like a big deal. When in years to come, it'd be sort of a... Uh, an albatross around the neck and, and a bit of a stick to beat TNA with. But this first episode, they made it feel huge. It was, it, you know, along the lines of WCW at Disney. Yeah, it's funny how the company sort of perceived them. Um, I know Bischoff said that when they first started filming at Disney, they had to be like bust in with blacked out windows and <laughs> weren't allowed to be seen in the theme park sort of thing. And then later on when they got successful... They, they wanted to actively promote it. I wonder if the opposite happened with TNA. <laughs> it, it, in a strange move, they then had that, that second in, uh, intro video, um, but the, uh, they had the lasers going off as the as the show opened, and uh, it feels like it got to a bit of a bad start, and not all the pyro went off. No, it, it was a bit underwhelming, but then YouTube kicked in and gave me my first advert of the night. It was the uh, <laughs> Eric Cantona, William Hill advert. Yeah. Not a fan of that one. It's not as good as what we saw in the. T- well, it's not well. It's not as good as what had been airing in two thousand and four. No, no. I wish I had two thousand and four adverts. That'd have been brilliant. See, my first advert was a, a Timu advert, and I can buy some uh, joy pads for my Switch for ninety nine p. Fair enough. I forgot to note down my adverts. 
And yeah, Timu just seems like a massive scam, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. I mean, I, I, that's the only one I've written down. I wasn't going through the whole list. I had, as long as I've got one, I was happy. Fair enough. <laughs> In my head, you're saying about Timu, and I'm thinking, what's a what's an Iceland, what's an Icelandic striker got to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was brilliant for me to hear Mike today on commentary. Uh, it's been uh, been a little while since it's happened, and it was nice to see Mike today uh, not being a sleazy dickhead like we saw at the end of uh, Unbooking the Tankatory. <laughs> uh, I've continued and gone on and been watching some of the Nitros and Funders after Tank left. And um, the, the last episode I watched, Mike today was uh, interviewing Stacey Keebler, and he's it, it, hitting new levels of skeevy bastard. Oh, God. Oh dear, I don't know. It wasn't for me. No. Uh, we Don West off. was there, and that, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, God bless him, and rest in peace, Don West as well. Not too long, uh, not too long departed. Um, but it, it was good to have the classic duo on, and we get Team Canada coming out first. P.T. Williams, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, and the coach Scott Demore. And uh, just great to see how you know he's been called an overbearing coach and been ripped into by the commentators, and now he's the uh, he's the beloved boss man in uh, in Impact. I love Team Canada, um, all, all the uh, <laughs> the WWE incarnation with the hearts, and then the Landstorm WCW. And the, uh, see, I had issues with this. Well, I didn't have issues. I didn't have it. It was more of a case of I was just a bit stunned. You had Pete Williams walking down to the ring. Okay, he's wearing red. Yeah, fine. Yeah, Eric Young walks down wearing Jeff Jarrett's hair. Right, wearing red. <laughs> you know, Bobby Roode walked down to the ring wearing, I'm not sure what he was wearing on his head, but it was just all confusing. All these people had hair, they shouldn't have had hair. It was wrong. It just wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, there, was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of gel or water or whatever on Roode's head. So then at that point, you know, all good. Team International come out. Now, Team International... Amazing Red walks down to the ring wearing red. You know, Sanjay Dutt, lovely golden trousers, long locks of hair, wonderful. Hector Garza comes down wearing red. You've got five people in the ring wearing red. I didn't that, even notice that. Five people in the ring, two teams, all wearing red. It confused the crap out of my brain. The one thing that confused me was that Hector Garza looked like a knockoff buff Bagwell. He pretty did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he literally looked like Buff Bagwell from the petrol station. Oh, you can just imagine if they'd like had him in a Buff Bagwell gimmick. <laughs> Hector. Garza. <laughs> Hench Hector. <laughs> Got the stuff and the girls just can't get him. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was thinking of what rhyme with Hector and then I, I settled on Vector. And then I was going to say something about Erector, but no, I don't think we'll go down that route. <laughs> we get a little rundown of, uh, of the rules in uh, in TNA at the time, and I'd completely forgotten about this. Non-title matches had a 10-minute time limit. Title matches had a 30-minute time limit. And if it went to a draw, it'd be a judge's decision. Now, I quite like that. See, I, I, I did really appreciate the, you know, the way that it's all done and... Um... Mike today were really sort of going through all the rules as well, sort of explaining everything as it went. You know, the ticker at the top, the, the ticker underneath. It, it, it was all just nice little touches, just to sort of like, this is our product, this is what we're going to show you. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, if you want to do a sporting presentation, that's yeah, what they were do. selling it. Yeah, they were selling it. 
Uh, and the ticker at the bottom felt very sort of Sky Sports News as well. Very much so. It was, you know, mm. so-and-so beat so-and-so on this day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, although I did, I did find myself more... I, I didn't really read the ticker at the bottom. I was, I was focusing what was going on in the ring. Um, obviously, because that's, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. But, yeah, really, really nice touches. And I kind of wish they still had that with the time limits. It just it makes so much sense for TV. Yeah. You don't necessarily yeah, need I, the I, counter. Yeah, I, I liked the, the two TNA banners down the side of my screen as well. They brought back so many memories. It's very yeah. simple to As soon as TNA came on, it was like, oh, the banners are back. <laughs> The problem with the time limit is though that you've got you've got to use the time limit. I remember when FTR did the thing in AEW with the uh, twenty minute brush with greatness, and they were like limiting all the matches for twenty minutes, and they didn't have one single match go that long until they had a title match with an hour time limit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're going to have it, you've got to commit to it. Um, but which actually, weirdly, in AEW, Cody had a um, a couple of really high profile draws early on, didn't he? I think yeah, one was with yeah. Darby Allen and Kip Sabian. Possibly. Kip Sabian's fallen off a cliff, hasn't he? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the bag. Excuse me? <laughs> the bag on his head. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> well, you're talking about Penelope Ford then. I was going to say she's beyond <laughs> reach. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the bag that, uh, that TK allegedly has backstage. How I would never say such a thing. It's not that bag that Eric Markham had on uh, World of Sport, where he's uh, throwing the invisible ball up in the air and then flicking the back of the paper bag as if it's landed in the paper bag. <laughs> that, that still confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that says, how the fuck's he done that? <laughs> but anyway, not here to talk about Eric Markham and his, and his, non, and his mythical balls. Uh, we're here to talk about Team Canada versus Team International. And as will be a theme on uh, of this episode, they were a bit quick, weren't it? Oh, yeah, that's curious. Yeah, I've. Uh, I, again, I mean, well, I say then, uh, Mike and Don kept up with this so well. You know, they they didn't stop talking for the whole time it was going on. You know, they 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 really sold it. Yeah, you, it's, I've said it before on this show and, and a lot of shows. You felt along for the ride rather than left behind with the with everything being fast paced. And that's the thing. I mean, I watched it from you know from start to finish, and yeah, even though there was so much going on and it was so constant, I could have watched that for another ten minutes easily. It, 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 the time just flew by. It, it, it was so fast. It was so good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it leaves you wanting more. And Team Canada were getting in some some good heel stuff. You know, with the you know good in the uh, the faces in distracting the ref. Scott Demar hitting a shot from the outside. And you know it's it's almost Pavlovian with US fans, but it's getting the USA chance, even though it's Team International on the other side. <laughs> One thing I did like in this match, Bobby Roode does a sit down power bomb and doesn't even bother going for the pin. When I say I like it, I'm on the fence about it. So there were four minutes fifty nine seconds into this ten minute match, so there's no point going for pointless pins if you've only got ten minutes. Mm. Um, so yeah. is he just going right? I need to get you know wear him down more. You know, <laughs> he's got that little energy bar off WWE 2K games or whatever that he's trying to declare. Um, yeah. You know what? Or, or should he? You know, Bobby Heenan would have been shouting at him for not going for the pin. But uh, I mean, either way, I got a yeah, Keith Lemon Casino Red advert uh, pop up just after this. <laughs> that, that was part of a great sequence though, where Amazing Red had, a, had a, an incredible counter for sort of it was a double team or an attempted double team and he, he 
did a head scissors and a headlock takeover on Pete Williams and Eric Young. Tagged in Gaza, who cleaned sort of cleaned house for a bit. Rude cut him off with that sit out power bomb, and then Son, Sonjay Dutt hit a front flip Hurricane Rana. Then which was cool. Which yeah, was, it was very cool. cool yeah, and it's got another name where, it, where they do the front flip off the top and then hit the Hurricane Rana, but I can't remember what it is right now. Um, Eric Young came in to hit a wheelbarrow suplex on Sonjay Dutt. Then Amazing Red hits the code red for a two on EY. Petey Williams breaks up the pin and then just whacks in a Canadian destroyer. Back when that move actually, you know, got sold. <laughs> yeah, well, we're into sort of the AEW portion of this match, aren't we? Where um, who gives a fuck who's legal? Yeah, it's the, the get your big move in, get your shit in section of the match. And then, Gar- and then Gaza just comes in and hits one of those, um, whether in the powerbomb position, but they, uh, they throw, you throw them over your head. Yeah, he just sort of tossed him, didn't he? Yeah, just absolutely just yeah. fucked him off. I, I think I understand what the word yeet means now. <laughs> you knew what that meant from watching Dan Gabba. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Rude, Bobby Rude crotches Sondrid on the top rope, goes for a sort of a razor's edge move, but it's counted into Hurricane Rana and then Gaza's on the top hitting the tornado on Rude for the three. And it, it, that was a nice move as well, the uh, the twisting move top. It was a bit sl- it was a bit slick, wasn't it? It was, it was. I mean, he could have got a bit more contact on the, on the, on the body, but apart from that, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, it's fast. It's a, it's a match that's just fast and furious, as you said before. And if you're just sort of flicking channels and you think, oh, wrestling, I remember that. And you see that sort of action happening in a six-sided ring in sort of 2004, you're going to sit up and take notice. Oh, yeah, they, 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 they threw... Everything on the TV screen in that match, they really did. It was like, you know, come and watch us. Yeah. This is the mad shit we're doing. Just get it, get it in your eyeballs. Next up, we had the sort of, it was a cut to the desk and Weston today giving a the brief history of TNA, Don West typing up the X Division. Before that, Dan, Mike Tanay promises highlights from the first ever King of the Mountain match next, and then we don't get them. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, because... What we did get after Tanay hyping the uh, the NWA title and, and uh, an anniversary show coming up was actually a, a highlight package of Jeff Jarrett interrupting Toby Keith and Toby Keith entering a Rumble match and fucking over Jarrett with a suplex and eliminating him with uh, with Scott Hall. And we get told yeah. that we're going to be reliving these sort of classic moments all through June. They, they did like a video compilation package when the first Impact came out and they were selling it in WH Smith's. So uh, for a long time, <laughs> Toby Keith suplexing Jeff Jarrett was all on new TNA. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but we did get a YouTube advert, star of Roddy Piper's celebrity wrestling, Jeff Brazer, selling the People's Postcode Lottery. God. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that Roddy Piper's celebrity wrestling. Crazy days. Uh, what we did get before the before the cut for break on Impact, it, it was kind of like a vignette for Abyss for his entrance, but then we cut back and, and it's Sharkboy's entrance. So no, 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 you, you missed a bit. You missed a bit. Right at the end after the Jeff Jarrett being thrown out by Scott Hall, they go to what's going to happen next week. And this is the, the, the exclusive oh. next week of Survivor's Johnny Fairplay when he meets some big linebacker and he picks him right. up and he holds him in the air and then they cuts off. Yeah, Brian Erlacher. You say that. Yeah, that, that was his name. I'm, I'm, I'm loosely familiar with the name from Crime and Sports. I think it's come up a few times 
um, some famous American footballer that doesn't mean a lot to me, unfortunately. And then we get the stuff with Abyss where it looks like they're doing a, a full-on um, you know, entrance for him with, a, with a, a vignette and overlay over the top of it, a bit like they do for PCO now. And then Shark Boy's out. See, it was at this point I noticed that the tunnel was exactly the same as the AEW one used to be when they had the two tunnels at the start. Oh, they're not, not have that anymore. Do AEW not have that anymore? I don't know, they changed the set, uh, set now. All oh, right, fair enough. I'll be honest, the only the only AEW I've watched recently was uh, last Friday when I, I got home pissed and Collision happened to be on. <laughs> and I don't Collision what... is a good show in itself. I'm, I'm actually enjoying Collision. Fair enough. I, I don't remember much of it because, as I mentioned, I was pissed. Rob, have you been for been for your shark baby? No, well, I've just uh, opened that all meridians. Just give me a sec. I'll go and see if I can find it. The excitement and the tension is palpable. Well, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got it. Hey, live yeah. taste test. Yeah, so this is Shark Bay Amber Ale, 4.3% from Hafferwoods Brewery, which I think is either the Lidl Brewery or strongly associated with Lidl. In fact, it's Lidl. It's got Lidl on its address. Hey, will it get a shell, yeah? Yeah, get a shell, yeah. It's a solid, nah, maybe 2.75. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's a Mike Sanders of beer. It is, it is. It's uh, it's a uh, top 49% beer, this one. <laughs> Solid speed plus. So Shark, Shark Bay doesn't quite stand up to Shark Boy then, because he's out next and he's, uh, they're calling him something of a cult favourite. And then Abyss comes out. And I didn't realise how much I missed that music until it hit. I was so glad that this early he still had that classic abyss theme i thought you know the memory's going to cheat and he's going to have some uh, some different theme and that's going to come along a lot later so i was really glad that it was this version yeah, yeah. I, I was the same i never realized he had this one at this point but he looks so badass as well with the just with the mask and you know the, the wild hair and then the chain around him and all, all that he just looked a big nasty fucker didn't he yeah, I mean, six foot eight, 320 pounds. He, he, he was big and he, he looked in such good shape. He really did. Yeah, it, it, it was really nice to see because I, I always loved Abyss, even even during the dark days of uh, having been associated with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it couldn't get much dark. That, that was a classic example, though, because there was nothing wrong with the way that they presented Abyss in um, TNA and. Hogan came in and it was like just hitching his wagon to someone who was already over in the promotion. Yeah. And ultimately slowing him down. Yeah, it wasn't great at all. Although I do like that Hulk Hogan um, American made WCW theme that he was coming out to. That, that was probably the highlight. Sorry, KPB? No, I'll say it wasn't the worst. It could have been worse. It could have been. But yeah, I was surprised with this match, going back to Abyss versus Sharkboy. Sharkboy's just going for it straight off, isn't he? Massively, you know, throwing in the punches and all that. But it's this is basically just a squash match. 
yeah, but, it was, but they still tried to make Shark Boy look credible for the first couple of minutes. You know, like you say, there was such a, a lot of offense, and it just kept getting swatted away to a certain degree. But you know, it it, it didn't do him any harm at all. It, it was uh, it was a nice outing for Shark Boy. Yeah, it was definitely definitely a good squash match. You know, in terms of Shark Boy didn't look didn't look massive. You know, he got he got enough in. It was more of actually KPB. Where would you rank it on the Barry Horowitz scale? See. If it was Barry, he would have been destroyed all the way through the match, just repeatedly destroyed, destroyed, destroyed against someone like um, Abyss. But he, he got too much offence. Well, offence, sorry. for yeah, Barry probably would have got offence, but it would have been so minimal you probably wouldn't have noticed. Fair enough. Uh, what did you reckon to it, Rob? I thought it was kind of interesting that we got Tanae talking about Goldilocks having some kind of hold over Abyss and we could see her in the picture-in-picture box in the corner. So there's a little bit of storyline. I was surprised that it was so little. Yeah, you know, because it it was sort of like the storyline you get in AEW or WWE these days, you know, very sort of tangential to what's actually happening, you know, considering Russo's had some degree of control over this show. it's very surprising that, that we didn't get more out of that. Or yeah, was also that, that was the entire part of the knockouts division for this particular episode. Just the five seconds that she was on screen. There the, were the some women in the dark match before it started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, with 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 it being a Russo sort of production, I, I do have faith that that would go somewhere. And then they did only have an hour. Well, forty-four minutes of TV time. It's only the first episode. There's a long way to go. Oh yeah, and you know, it's, it's a snap. Everything that we review is kind of just a snapshot, isn't it? But uh, yeah. you know, considering we've reviewed so much Russo, you know, between Tankatari and when we did season one with going through the highs and lows TV rated episodes and the Monday Night Wars, I, this is one of the reasons I messaged Danny to see who the booker was because I thought there's no way this is a Russo show. And then I was yeah, like, it was, oh. a, it was a it was a Russo show filtered through the Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, the great filter Jerry Jarrett. Who pins want to bring in? So <laughs> that's that's why I said it. I knew it'd set you off that way. But yeah, Shark Boy gets a fair bit in, but eventually he uh, he he wiggles out of a torture rack, ducks the clothesline, but runs right into the black hole slam for the three. And what a black hole slam that was! That looked really yeah, impactful, he, he, really he forceful. He, he sold that so well. It looked it. Uh, destroying it really did it was the speed of it yeah and i don't think i've seen him move that quick in years it was actually quite a shock and what can help you recover from an abyss black hole slam it's obvious popeye coming out to save you well, yeah. to tie in with Universal Summer. Um, it was the 75th anniversary of Popeye, and they were doing something on uh, on Marvel, uh, not Marvel. I think it was just called Islands of Adventure at that point. That section of um, uh, of Universal. But yeah, it was a bit was a bit odd. <laughs> but you know, things must. Him, you know, he, he didn't offer him any spinach, though, and you, you thought that would have been the thing. Imagine if he'd given uh, Shark Boy spinach mid match. Would that be classed as interference, though? Um, I don't think so because he was just feeding him. If it had hit Abyss with the tin, then it would have been. Uh, Beth just uh, snuck into the kitchen and tried to sneak out a Vanessa without me without me seeing while you're recording. Then, and I just had this image that 
um, spinach is to Popeye as Viennetta is to Beth. A <laughs> <laughs> full Viennetta would have the opposite effect on me. I'd be sparkling on the sofa, I think. Well, I don't know, string flation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably three mouthfuls now. Yeah. Uh, we get a hype package for the next match, which, to be honest, I didn't really pay much attention to. Uh, but up next for the NWA Tag Team titles, it's champions Dallas and Kid Cash versus America's Most Wanted. James Storm and Wildcat Chris Harris. And I was very surprised when Dallas and Kid Cash come out and Dallas is, in fact, Lance Archer. And Kid Cash has hair, which is yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's Kid Cash and Kazarian, at least, on, on the list of people who have long hair who shouldn't have long hair in on this show. Um, yeah, there's so Kazarian, though, because, because I'm... I first became aware of Kazarian with long hair, then I don't mind him. But, um, you know, I sort of backwards watched Kid Cash's career because I didn't have, I didn't have any, watch ECW originally. And, you know, it's, uh, I saw Kid Cash later on when he's bald in TNA <laughs> and then went back and watched early TNA and ECW. And I was like, what? <laughs> See, I remember seeing Kid Cash with the, with the long hair initially and then seeing him with the short hair and thinking, oh, he does look much better. A bit like um, a bit like Heath Slater of the current crop. Uh, no, Heath Slater. I like Heath Slater with both. I don't. I think he suits both. It's just the fact that he's ginger. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, very gingerist of you. <laughs> Sorry, I like ginger, but it, you know he is very ginger. Do you know, what? I was actually really impressed. I think was it last year or it must have been you know, last year or year before. Whenever. Um, uh, whenever Mo- uh, Moose was last champion, and they built Heath Slater up to be a credible title title challenger in about two weeks. Yeah, it was last year. It, it, it was really well done, and it, it was credible. And and that was the nice thing about it. It it, it was done. To, it felt organic. Yeah, it, yeah. Over two three weeks, it, it was it was really really good. I loved yeah. when Moose did the hacksaw Jim Duggan and found the title in the bin and went on and defended it. Oh, I say it's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> well, it worked for Dogan. That was brilliant. <laughs> exactly. I mean, who's going to be walking around all in this weekend and going to find a, a belt in a bin somewhere? You know, I would defend it, definitely. I wouldn't. I'd just walk around with the belt. So I, I, I would defend it and I would win. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I'll be F5 and everyone. <laughs> The KPB5 doesn't really have the uh, same ring to it, does it? It doesn't roll off the tongue. You should hit him with the shining Photoshop wizard. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Anyway, fantasy booking uh, KPB's wrestling career aside, we do have a tag team title match. Yeah, but they they talk about fantasy booking because Don West is saying that the uh, winners of this tag team championship match will face the winners of uh, a fan vote on uh, TNAWrestling.com, which was oh, yeah. uh, quite good because they're forcing people to the website and it's a bit interactive. Uh, and this yeah. is years before Wrestlelicious did it, so I think, I think they're the first of the party on it. And definitely years before Taboo Tuesday, I think. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Yeah, it must be. Starts out with uh, with Kid Cash and James Storm this match. Nice little bit of uh, of chain wrestling. Then they were saying as well that a loss is a loss in title matches, and the belts can be lost by DQ, which 
is interesting. And part of me wishes they still did it, but it kind of backs them into a corner creatively. It just removes an option. Or does, yeah. it, mean that they, or does it mean they have to get more creative with how they cheat? There's no amount of both, I suppose. It, 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 it does sort of um, limit in certain ways. But again, it, you know, if you're creative, you, you should be able to get around that, really. And we've spoken about world of sport and the public warning system so they can cheat a little bit and until they get disqualified or you know hiding the close fist punches from the ref you know almost having restrictive rules can make it easier to be a heel Mm. yeah very true very true so yeah again that's something that i wish some some company somewhere would try i'm I'm going to at time recording i'm going to uh, to true grit tomorrow night and they have their pure grit rules division, which has you know it has a limited number of rope breaks. Um, there's something sort of akin to the to public warning system and, and things like that. And it always makes for for really interesting matches. Yeah, it's pretty much the same as the uh, the pure division in ROH. That's what I was trying to think of that I couldn't remember. Yeah. Even, though the, even though the word pure is right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can't even blame the beer. I've only had one. But this match was was I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, AMW are a, a classic tag team for a reason. They are really bloody good, and and Lance Archer and Cash are two two really good, just really good wrestlers. One thing I really did like was towards the end of the match, um, was that uh, Dallas was sort of sat on the top rope with his feet on the second, and Cash tried to use him as a launch pad for a moonsault. But he just a simple thing if he took too long, and um, whoever it was, I think it was Harris, rolled out of the way. And it was Storm. Just rolled out the way, but then the commentary were reinforcing it. And he hit that so flat on the floor as well. When he hit the mat, it was so flat. Yeah. He hit that looked incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that must have hurt. Yeah, but I, was, I, I never even knew that, that Lance Archer or Dallas uh, and Cash were a tag team, but they were really good, like sort of big man, uh, big man, little man duo. Yeah, they had really uh, good chemistry. Yeah, Dallas had... Um, had a bit of a, a sort of a bit of diesel about him, a bit of Kevin Nash, but but in a good way, <laughs> and a bit more mobile. Reminded me more of early Drew McIntyre. Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, what did you reckon to it, Rob? Well, just on the production side to it, um, we we get a break with with no hook going into the break, and and then we get the classic. Here's exactly what happened in the break, and. The blazingly just stopped recording and started playing again. So, again, it, it, it felt it felt very modern wrestling in, in that regard. As you know, why even bother sitting through the commercials, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that. I did like um, Kid Cash uh, threatening to punch Rudy Charles. I very much enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, that's always a bonus. Yeah, I did notice as well, uh, I think it was Cash locking in a Steiner recliner. Just very briefly, he went for one of those, which was uh, yeah. which was fun to see. It all goes a bit uh, a bit chaotic at the end again, doesn't it, where we're, we're sort of not quite caring who's legal. Dallas throws Harris out the ring, Storm throws, Storm throws out Cash, they go for each other. Dallas gets Storm up for a slam, Cash goes to the top. Dallas hits the blackout, which was still, it was called the blackout at that point, and Cash hits the frog splash. Uh, you think it's all over there, but Chris Harris comes back in, hits the spear on Cash. Dallas boots Harris in the face. 
Storm crotches uh, Dallas on the top rope and he goes for the uh, for the big boot him and then Harris uh, Chris Harris who is apparently the legal man rolls up Dallas for the win and you and four time NWA tag team champions America's most wanted. Oh, I really enjoyed that. It was just a well paced fast. It, 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 was, it was awesome. Yeah, again, yeah it, sorry, go on, Rob. No, I was going to say it's an enjoyable match. Um, I always like seeing America's Most Wanted. In in this period, they were doing the sort of fast, chaotic matches that you weren't seeing all over the industry. Mm. It, it would just sort of, I don't know, fade into the background in 2023 because everyone's doing it. Yeah. But yeah, it'd feel it's, as a, it's a very, very similar way to the way um, matches are done today. And it, like you say, it, it's, it, it probably would fit right in there. But it wouldn't stand out at all. To me, it's slightly more, but given the the sort of time constraints and the fact they put time limits on it, so there's there's more of a a logical reason for matches to be fast paced. I'd say it's more similar to how NWA Power was when it first came in. Yeah, but obviously, you know, this came first. It, it gave it was kind of halfway between AEW and NWA Power for me. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, just I just like the fact that they've gone to the effort of putting logic behind these fast-paced, crazy matches, and it just sort of hammers home how revolutionary the X division was because this is that that's where it all stemmed from, really. Just that that sort of evolution of a junior heavyweight style. Or am I off the mark on that one? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I, I liked what happened next because they, they show some cowboy boots walking backstage and Mike Tanae's same way to see who the judge is this week and then it goes to break so at least there's some level of suspense and being written like a TV show yeah yeah I like that although I did I didn't know who the judge was but as soon as I saw cowboy boots I had a feeling although to be fair I guess you know TNA's been going for a couple of years at this point but they've been doing weekly pay-per-views rather than TV so, so maybe, I don't know, maybe we should give them a, a little bit of leeway that they've been out of weekly television for so long. Oh, yeah, no, it was still a good device. I was just more proud of myself that I actually figured out who it was. Oh, no, I, I was saying it's a good device, but they haven't, they haven't made full use of it throughout the show, sort of thing. Which I think this yeah. is the best hang we got. Yeah, and then we come back from the break, Mike Tanay's in the ring looking more excited than I've ever seen Mike today, I think, and he announces the guest judge, and it's, it's Dusty Rhodes. And, uh, you know, absolute legend of wrestling, and, and they actually had the pyro working for him, which was nice. Dusty Rhodes says that Impact has be, is being watched in 4,800 million, million countries. Yeah, as far as wrestling inflating numbers goes, um, that's up there. That that was my favourite line of the night. I loved that. Yeah, yeah. He lost lost his way a little bit. So that that's four thousand eight hundred trillion countries. <laughs> the, f- the first wrestling show to be broadcast throughout the cosmos. Yeah, because he never said they were all on the same planet. Well, we did the countries, yeah, around the world. Demo. Oh, it was it was fun, yeah. And, and then Tanae says about the uh, the fifty plus year history of the NWA title. That's not what he says. He says behind the NW Championship. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, I was filling in the blanks a bit. Then bloody the NW Championship. 
the National Wrestling Championship. And uh, we get a mention of, uh, of UTT favourite Luthez. The nature boy, Buddy Rogers, Jack Briscoe. At this point, though, uh, Dusty puts his hat on. And that is so distracting, you can't see his eyes anymore. I didn't like that. I didn't like that <laughs> at all. I like to see his eyes. I want to see, you know, the emotion. And, you know, this hat, you know, it's like you're constantly looking underneath to try and just get a glimpse of his eyes to get the emotion. And it just wasn't there. That annoyed me. Oh, dear. A rare miss from, uh, from the son of a plumber. It, it, but what he was saying was fine. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with what he was saying. It's just I wanted to see his eyes. <laughs> making him sound like a cyclops (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't PCL I mean admittedly he was wearing sunglasses so I couldn't really see him anyway but that's not the point fucking up can't win can he poor lad but what I did like there was a bit of a jump because he says about Jack Briscoe Harley Race Terry Funk and then he skips straight to Ron the Truth Killings and AJ Styles and then goes back to himself yeah, which is the odd one out in this list? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is the one out of order? Yeah. And then today asks uh, Dusty about Jarrett, and Dusty saying for a long time he believed that Jarrett was uh, was a brother in tradition in, in the old school ways of representing, respecting, and holding the NWA World Heavyweight Title in high esteem. But uh, I, th- I think he then aimed to say that you know the leopard changed his spots. But he just says he changed his spots. And then he gets interrupted by, as I've put in my notes, Bree woo, Bree woo, fuck's sake, no. Oh, my world's <laughs> a great theme, Dan. It's an annoyingly good theme. It is good. It is good. And Jarrett came out and he looked an absolute twat all in white with the uh, with the NWA belt and a guitar and a fucking microphone. Um, it, was, it was at this point that I realised that buddy Eric Young and him were actually sharing a wig. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, I was just about to say that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, though, that haircut was identical. It was. I think it just looked like that EY maybe had a smaller head, so it looked like more hair. (laughs) And Jarrett comes out and he basically just goes on a bit of a tirade, ripping into Dusty, you know, asking what he's doing there and saying he admired him and respected him. And was even grateful to him for his teachings, but that was 20 years ago. Dusty doesn't realise that Jeff is trying to help him and keep him from embarrassing himself over and over again. And he says there's a place for Dusty in the business, just not standing next to the three-time world champion or looking eye to eye with the king of the mountain. Prick. He compares Dusty to John Wayne and Jeff Jarrett being the local villain. They're going to settle the differences, which would be great because John Wayne always won. Well, I think he's better that he's, he's, you know, past it and, uh, you know, he's going to have to take him out and shoot him. But the crowd were chanting elbow, elbow, elbow during this segment. Because <laughs> the one does take the bionic elbow. Dude, uh, also, I mean, uh, I think a nice little touch was the fact that Jarrett at this point was offering him money as well. It wasn't just a case of, you know, you oh, wrong yeah. yeah, $20, $50, $200, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, is that why you're here? You know, you're here for the money. Yeah, trying to humiliate him and, and all yeah, that, that was, was it. just a nice little touch, just to sort of like rub in. Parking, parking my bias that I, I do or may play up for comedic effect. Uh, this was a good promo from Jarrett. Hang on a minute. Yeah, my tongue has turned black. 
It was a good promo, and I, you know the, he worked in his strut by saying, "I'm going to take five paces forward, and if Dusty isn't out of dodge, you'll run him out." And I did love the comedy of, of Jarrett like doing his serious strut and Dusty following on, like really taking the piss before he <laughs> before he wafts his hat in his face and starts laying in the bunches. Don't know. Yeah, it's all about it. I was going to say, it was beating it with a hat that, that got me. I, I did crease up at that bit. I did literally laugh out loud. Yeah, just like wafting in his face, going, what the fuck? What? <laughs> it, it's like that uh, Raw game on the Xbox, isn't it? Where you can you, you go into the box of weapons and sometimes it's used for like a kendo stick and other times it's like a foam finger and you can just waft it in your opponent's face and it does no damage. <laughs> yeah. It's mildly it was... annoying. Yeah. Jarrett, however, quickly takes control. He grabs a guitar uh, after he's you know punched and kicked Dusty a little bit, and then Ron uh, Ron Killings hits the ring, goes after Jarrett, hits his tornado sort of that tornado forearm thing where he hits the forearm and then does about fifteen revolutions in midair. Then he goes for the kick and he ends up crotching himself on the top rope, which is an exact replay of the spot we saw in the last match. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, Our truth was going for a sidekick. Uh, Lance Archer was going for a big boot. Entirely, entirely, entirely different. He should have been busy pissing around backstage with little Jimmy, (laughs) not paying attention to what's going on in the rest of the show. But the scary thing is, though, Our Truth still looks exactly the same to this day. He hasn't aged today. It's Benjamin Button in it. It really is. He's made of wood, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, Greg Valentine's made of wood and he's been varnished. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with Truth being crotched on the top rope and Dusty still being down, Jarrett grabs the guitar and it, he looks torn for a moment over who he's going to smack. But he decides to break it over, uh, over Ron Killings' head. And it's at that moment about two minutes too late that BG James and Conan hit the ring the other members of the three live crew BG James is on the mic saying Jarrett's like Van Halen because without his guitar he's just a normal man and that Wednesday on the pay-per-view he'll have to answer to the three live crew effectively they've got this sh- and it's a, it's a really difficult task to sell pay-per-views week in week out mm. but presumably this is a TV vehicle to sell the pay-per-view yeah yeah the feel the feels to be in very little business done to actually tell you what's going to happen on the pay per view, what's coming up. So at least this was some way of giving you some indication of why you might want to buy it. Mm. I, I have glossed over as well. I think a couple of times that Tanay and Tanay or West have mentioned that the winner of the main event gets an X division title shot on on the pay per view midweek. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. It's still not a massive amount because at the minute you're selling it on three live crew confronting Jarrett and an X Division title match. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much they were charging for these weekly pay per views, but if, you know, if it, it's about ten dollars. But you know, you, you put that into perspective that effectively that that's ten dollars for watching an episode of Dynamite or Raw or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, they said on the show it was nine ninety five, I believe. Oh well then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're looking at best part of forty dollars a month. Forty three. It's 4.33 weeks in a month. Oh uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a big ask, and I'm amazed they kept them going right through to the September. To be perfectly honest. 
It must have been dwindling badly by that point. It's got to be a tough sell. The next thing we see is a shot of a door marked director of authority. And I didn't realise this was a, a role that existed in, in Impact previously. But it's, it's really nice to see it being, being paid homage to in today's product with Santino Morella. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lovely, that, that, lovely that's there's been a couple of times over the years when they've done that, done that though, isn't there? Because, um, you know, back in early TNA days, Tracy Brooks was the knockout law, and then they brought that back with Karen Jarrett later on. Yeah. It's just a nice vehicle they, 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 they've pulled on a few times because it, it just, you know, it, it's their GM, and it, you know, will keep consistency if possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, no problem with that. All. Vince Russo is the director of authority, and he's been interviewed by Shane Douglas next. Making his what? debut as, a, as a, an interviewer. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second, because that, that is a choice. I mean, someone is talented as Shane Douglas, but I, I don't know, he might have been injured at that point and they were just wanting to get him on the show. Um, but what we see before that is uh, it's sort of a recap or, or a, a hype package all rolled into one for the X Division. Uh, Mike Tanay is talking about the, the whole concept and how he came up with the iconic... Um, it's not, you know, it's not about weight limits. It's about no limits line. And we see Jerry Lynn and Scott Hudson. I was really happy to see Scott Hudson uh, talk about perfecting the style and the innovation. Uh, Barash talking up the evolution of wrestling in the X division, and then back to Tanay about the high flying offense. Um, I thought it was a really good little package. You know, if, if someone, if this is someone's first time watching any TNA whatsoever, from for a lot of people it will have been. What a great way to. Explain what the exhibition is about all going into the main event. Completely agree. Completely agree. Rob, tell me why I'm wrong. There's a voiceover there when it says the man who comes out on top next will face the exhibition champion Kazarian, but they've already promoted that up next is Shane Douglas from Vince Russo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit all over the place. I find it's, it's a bit all over the place, but in a kind of, I still find it quite charming. Yeah. I mean, this according to the overall rating, but it, it, it's kind of difficult not to find it charming because there's, there's so many sort of characters and whatever that you used to from, you know, the, the history of TNA wrestling Yeah, here. So, you know, you, you, like, you like sort of everyone that's involved, so I guess it gets a lot of goodwill. It, and I think this kind of hits a sweet spot because you've got people who you're nostalgic for it, you know, have been brilliant in the past. And then you've got wrestlers on there who have, you know, the foundation of TNA, but have also gone on to make, you know, massive names for themselves elsewhere. You know, but the, yeah. the big one being AJ Styles, who, well, shock, <laughs> spoiler alert, is in the main event, as we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, he's gone on to be world champion. Chris Sabin, still with, um, still with Impact. He's just had his ninth X Division title reign. Jarrett, you know, loving the hate, he's the, the 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 foundation of that company, one of the foundations of the company, really, and you know James Storm and Chris Harris were were cornerstones. Abyss, Abyss, for so long, yeah, yeah. Abyss was there for ages, you know, and then he's got you know he's got onto his WWE producer role. But even in that opening that opening match, you know, Bobby Roode went on to be champion. Eric yeah. Young went on to be champion. Pete William, Williams, you know, X Division uh, stalwart, amazing red. Be huge James for the X Division. Yeah, James Storm in the, in the tag match, former champion. Sanjay Dutt eventually, you know, after years of, of 
being in and out of TNA, finally got his moment and got his X Division title. And no pencil inside. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah, this hit a lot of buttons for me. Um, not going to lie. And it's why I'm sort of quite forgiving with it. I'll, I'll try and rate it as honestly as I can, but there's going to be a bit of bias involved. <laughs> So as we mentioned before, we see Shane Douglas, he's there as a backstage interviewer. I said it was a choice, um, but he's good at it. <laughs> he is bloody good at it. There's, I don't think there's a lot Shane Douglas can't do. Hey, it's the franchise Shane Douglas, and after that huge X Division video package, all I can say is, wow, we're standing by for a big four-way match. The only thing we have to find out is, who are the four contestants? I'm standing here with Mr. Vince Russo, Director of Authority. Vince, I'm dying to know. We know who three of the contestants are. Who's number four? Well, Shane, you know that total non-stop action, this is a land of opportunity. And That's this right. week, four individuals came up to me. They wanted this match. The winner of this match will face Kazarian for the title on Wednesday night. We know who three opponents are. I know who the fourth opponent is. Wait till you find out. Oh, I can't wait. Hey, let's go down to the ring. It's time for this huge X Division match. He doesn't really do anything wrong in the, in the interview. You know, he, he he talks. He doesn't necessarily ask the you know the right questions, but you know, he doesn't do anything necessarily wrong. The thing about Douglas is he, he he's charismatic and he's got on the mic, so that that's going to carry him so far. But I, I don't think we can say that. That this was a stellar performance uh, for for either of Douglas or, or Russo because there really wasn't that much to it. it. It's basically who's this fourth contestant, and then Russo's saying, you know, this is the land of opportunity for people ask for an opportunity, and you have to find out what the fourth per- who the fourth person is. And it's like, well, the whole point of this interview was to, for you to tell us who the fourth person was. Uh, and it, it wasn't even, I'll say it wasn't even that. Before that, they said all about the other three. And they just glossed it. Oh, yeah, we already know who the other three are. Well, tell us then. We don't know who the three are. Who the fuck are the other three? Yeah. The, the other thing that really got me about this, because some of, we, we've had some amazing Rousseau promos and 2000 WCW, he, he looked dejected here. Yeah. He looked like yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't up for it in any way, shape, or form. Mm. I thought that, to be honest. He looked like he couldn't really be asked. No. Uh, and, I mean, it would have been better if anyone else was in the role. I would hate the player. Hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise right there means it's time for Steve-O to booker it better. Oh, fuck me. Well, let me tell you something, Shane. We all know that we got four opponents tonight. And you're talking about the fourth, the fourth mystery man in this chat. And what about the fifth guy? Because, you know, if it was the fifth guy, I'd be able to do this over and over. The fifth, the fifth, the fifth, the fifth, the fifth mystery man. And oh my goodness. Let me tell you something, Shane. It's a mystery opponent you don't even want to think about. Now, can you dig that? So good. So there you go. That was uh, Director of Authority Booker's <laughs> turn. <laughs> oh, God. You really wouldn't mess. NXT, please don't get any ideas. Because <laughs> <laughs> it won't be as good as that. <laughs> oh, my word. So we come back from a break. Um, <laughs> we finally find out who the other three men are. Uh, it's Michael Shane, Elix Skipper, and Chris Sabin. And 
the fourth man is the only one to get a full entrance, and it's AJ Styles, as I mentioned before. Who else could it possibly be? Minus the soccer mum hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, AJ's gone the uh, gone the opposite way to uh, to Kid Cash. I'm just gutted that Elix Skipper has turned on Team Canada <sighs> after after his days playing in the CFL as well. Mm. I wonder if he's still got his Grey's Cup winners <laughs> ring. I mean, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? He has to. It's priceless. You can't have sold it. Yeah, from from his time with the Rough Riders. <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> They're all rough riders. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's it's a hell of a lineup. Is this match? It's very much very much similar to the first one in that it's absolutely you know mile a minute. So it was, it was really hard to keep up with all the various sort of spots that were going on. But I did like the opening. It was sort of a four way face off. Uh, Saban and Styles pair off. Uh, Elix Skipper and uh, Michael Shane pair off. You know, we get like a, a sort of a flapjack gut buster. Skipper's launching himself over Shane to, to hit a clothesline on AJ. Saban's clotheslining Skipper out of the ring and, and, and taking himself with it. It's, it's exactly what you want from the X Division, really. Now, this match got interrupted by yet another YouTube ad. And this was for KindlePublishingIncome.com. And the, it, it sounds like a pyramid scheme. I've no, no idea, but it sounds a bit dodgy. It says what you do is you outsource writing books to other people and they write the books for them. And then you use this website to publish the books for you. And then you just get money out of it. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you were saying, you know, are you tired of not making money for doing nothing? You know, it's like, That, that, all I could think of as you were running that down was the, uh, do you remember the underpants gnomes from South Park? I don't, but... Step, step, step one, steal underpants. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Profit, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I might have misunderstood this um, <laughs> this company. Never have, I apologise, but it, it sounded very dodgy to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll... Uh... I think we'll give that give that one a miss. If that was a job offered on, uh, on an upcoming project that, that we've got, uh, I, I don't think I'd be taking it. No, I think I'll stay where I am for now. Yeah. So, yeah, this match overall, anything stand out to you guys? Because uh, there was a lot to get your teeth into action-wise. I mean, I, I did like the point where the, which you've already actually covered with the um, the leaping off the, the the back to fly through the air to do the, the DDT sort of thing as it, as it came down. It, it, it was just such a special little move. It, it really, really was. It was sort of like, wow. You know, it did make me sit back and sort of like, whoa, what the fuck? So did you catch who the ref was in this match? I don't think it was Rudy Charles from earlier. I think it was a different ref. I didn't even notice the referee in this match. Well, I, I mean, fair, I'm not just going to call out Don Stevens for doing it because this ref was selling AJ Styles chops. <laughs> it wasn't Bryce Remsburg, was it? Well, a young, a young Bryce Remsburg is watching this thinking, that's a great idea. Was it old Aubrey Edwards? Well, it could have been Slick Johnson. He could have grown. He probably had hair on this show. Yeah. He didn't have hair in WCW, but he grew it especially for TNA. Yeah, everyone's got too much hair on this show. Apart from AJ, who doesn't have enough. They've all got AJ's hair. That's the problem. 
Uh, They've like, cut it off for big wigs. <laughs> but one thing I did like on this match, because obviously with a multi-person match, it is you you know you quite often have people just sort of taking turns. But I thought yeah. the uh, the camera crew did a good job of actually sort of showing people getting taken out on the outside or taking each other out. You know, I think there was a point where um, AJ and Michael Shane were were on the outside, and Shane, Michael Shane reversed the vertical suplex just to take AJ out for about thirty seconds. Yeah, so then that allowed to have uh, prime time to do the pin on Saban, and then we chain then breaks up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it was really well worked um, camera-wise. Cause it, yeah, almost... the, 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 it didn't seem unnecessary. It, it, it all sort of flowed. Yeah, but you could you could see the move happening. You, you saw the suplex on the outside, but the way the camera was positioned, you saw the move start to happen in the ring. Yep. There was a quick cut. You saw the move land and then Shane get in the ring and, and, and break it up. It, it felt like, it, it actually felt like a sequence of events. Not just rapid fire camera cuts, thinking, "Holy shit, what shit? Why? How my head hurts?" Yeah, I mean, in, in this particular match, especially, yeah, I think that became evident. I mean, it's something that probably you know, AEW probably could learn from because camera work at times is really shoddy. I'll have to take your word on that. I can't remember too much about it. I don't remember it sticking out one way or the other when I was watching it. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. Well, no, I just find it funny that. Um... AEW made a big thing when they got the um, not the last TV deal, the one before that um, they got more money, but then they were taking over the responsibility of filming it because I think initially they'd, they'd got a lot less money or maybe just like a ad share deal or whatever. But as part of that, TNT were filming the events, and and then when they renegotiated, they got more money, but they were in charge of production. And you know, it's oh, one of the advantages of this is we'll get people who know how to film wrestling, and it's going to look a lot better. Well, I don't know how well that went. <laughs> it looks a bit <laughs> to me. I mean, it, it it improved, but it didn't get better. If that makes sense, it does not make sense. No, it it, it it was an improvement. They 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 changed the way they were wrangling things, and when they were switching a bit more. But it it didn't all sort of as a whole over improve the overall presentation, right? Got you. It's like when people gig, it's like they're zooming in on the blade. Well, if he's in the match, you don't want him zooming in on the butcher, do you? Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Actually, no, yeah. actually, now the butcher's a handsome man. I'm doing him a disservice there. Oh wow! Well, you know, if this had been WWF camera work of uh, the year 2000 or whatever, that would have been uh, zooming in on the bunny, wouldn't they? Well, yeah. Yeah, quite. But going back to this match, one move that I've just remembered as well, and I've seen it in my notes, it was the uh, AJ hitting the um, the springboard moonsault into the reverse DDT. Yeah, that was nice. That was oh, very nice. Yeah, I, f- I forgot he did that move, but it always looks so bloody good. But the thing is, when he did that, you know, he went straight for the pin as well, and you know, it was a kick at two, and it, it just, you know, I was surprised it got the the kick at two, but again, obviously, well, no, and it was um, uh, Chris Saban broke it up with an elbow. Did he? Oh, I must have missed that bit. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got it written, written in my nose. Yeah, Saban broke it up with an elbow. AJ's ah. up then and grabbing it, you know, grabbing a waist lock, and they do the thing where AJ's. Sort of driving him from behind, uh, Sabin grabs the ropes. AJ comes off, and then Sabin did like a springboard off the second rope, twisted in midair, and hit a tornado DDT. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, again, so frigging slick. And Saban's still doing that kind of stuff now. But that's the thing, you know, if you look at Saban just as an individual uh, wrestler on, the, on this particular show, you know, his, his moveset has increased so much since this particular show to now. But he's still knocking out of the park with, you know, just as much enthusiasm as he's got in this match. Yeah, and it was a great moment. Um, just recently, I forget the show, I think it was against all odds when Saban picked up his ninth X Division and Alex Shelley got his first world title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Motor City Machine Guns on top of the world. It was it was great to see. And it even, I think it was probably because of injury, but, well, it might not have been, who knows, it was just for the story, but the way Saban then lost that title to Leo Rush at Slammiversary. Just like, holy yeah, that, shit. <laughs> yeah, but that, that made Leo Rush look huge, though. No, it did, yeah. Yeah, it was such a sort of a big rub. Mm, yeah, it really was. Uh, but back to this match. Actually, after that um, Tornado DDT, Saban then runs up Elix Skipper and kicks him, kicks him in the face before hitting a basement drop kick. Michael Shane then just launches Saban out the ring, goes to the top rope. AJ is now up and crotches him on the top rope, and we get Elix Skipper doing his tightrope walk along the top to Hurricane Rana Shane to the outside and himself to the outside. <laughs> that looked brutal. That really did look brutal. It did. I just, I, I'm, I'm gaining a, after watching WCW as well for, for Tankatori, I'm just gaining a, a whole new appreciation for Elix Skipper because watching, on my initial watching the TNA, uh, Skipper was long gone. So I don't have a massive uh, sort of sample of his body of work, but I, I just realise now just how fucking good this guy was. Yeah. He, yeah. he was never afraid of trying stuff. Um, that stuff didn't always come off. Um, <laughs> But he, he loved the tightrope walk in uh, TNA. There's that uh, time when he uh, like ran across the top of the uh, six sides of steel. Oh god, that that still makes that makes me cringe. Even though I know what happens and I know he's fine coming out of it, I, I constantly think he's going to fall. Yeah. Even you know, even that many years later, it shows just how good it was. And yeah, I understand what you say. And he was he wasn't afraid to try stuff. He didn't always work, but I kind of appreciate that effort. You know, pushing the boundaries and, and whatnot. It looked bloody brilliant in this match. And just, again, it's just, it seemed to be... When I say it was sort of sequence of moves after sequence of moves, I don't mean that negatively. It, it yeah, never felt... Everything seemed, everything seemed in place. It wasn't move for the sake of move. And it still felt competitive. It still felt like everybody was trying to win. At one point, um, Skipper... Back to Skippy, he hits a, uh, earlier in the match, hit a buckshot lariat to, uh, to save him before, obviously, you know, well before Hangman probably even started wrestling. Um, so I don't know who the first one to do that move was, but Skipper hit a, in fact, Saban was so close, it was almost at a buckshot STO. Uh, but again, it was also way better than CM Punk's version. Mate, I, I think I've done better than CM Punk's version. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure there were people in the 70s doing it. I don't think it's a like, completely new thing by any stretch of the imagination. No, probably not. There's, there's very little original, is there? To be quite honest, it's just knowing knowing where it originated, I suppose. Um, I, I once heard uh, an interview with Disco Inferno. Someone asked him, um, do wrestlers get upset when uh, other wrestlers like steal the moves without asking? 
And he said basically every wrestling move has been done before by someone, so everyone should have to go and ask Mr. Wrestling, the man who invented wrestling, for permission to do the moves. <laughs> Stop discos right twice a day. Yeah. Has he, yeah. Has he followed you yet, KPB? Well, I don't want him to follow me. I'm just trying to annoy him, just generally. And it's not really working. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a bit sort of you know, disheartened with him. You, you, he even liked one of my posts. Laid back. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I mean, I, I got blocked by bloody um, Daddy Magic for something far less than I've done to, to Disco Inferno. And Disco Inferno liked one of my posts. So it, it's had the opposite effect. Yeah, but these are appreciation posts. Well, sort of. <laughs> I appreciate myself doing them. They're not necessarily <laughs> going to appreciate me doing them. I've just remembered the daddy magic nipples. Yeah, yeah, this is what makes my nipples hard. And it was a picture of Chris Jericho's head. That's what pushed him over the edge. Yeah, whereas Tank Abbott's nipples are so hard he can't wear a T-shirt without cutting holes in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Back to the exhibition number one contendership match. One thing I did like as well was that at one point going into the finish, Saban charges at Styles. And Styles sidesteps and just throws him straight into a tope. I thought that looked brilliant. And then Styles follows it up himself with the with sort of a flipping dive out and going into the uh, sort of the final sequence. Saban rolls in Michael Shane, who, who catches him with with a few punches. Shane throws Saban into the ring post, and he, he's calling for the super kick. But AJ launches himself in in a sort of a springboard sunset flip off a springboard from the top sunset flip and rolls right through into the Styles clash. Which again, I thought looked brilliant, and we get the three, and AJ Styles is the new number one contender. I've put that he uh, rolled awkwardly through to the Styles clash in my notes. He did well. It's fine. It was- I said I said I, I said I was being generous. <laughs> Nobody got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And one thing I did like in it. Sorry, I just remembered as well from a commentary point of view. I can't remember if it was West Arton here, but one of them said about just sort of running down AJ's accolades in that he's a you know he's a multiple-time NWA champion, already been X Division champion, tag team champion, and sort of saying, you know, how why is he back in, in the X Division? Can he still do it? And yes, he fucking can. Yeah, it was a it was a nice touch to sort of um again, yeah, is he ready? You know, this is a different sort of division. This is, you know, this is gonna be fast paced. Is he gonna be good enough to do it? It, it was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, what was less of a nice touch was that we got a brief shot of, uh, of X-Division champion Kazarian coming out to presumably have a gob or a stare down with AJ, who was still in the ring, and the cameras caught none of it. So as good as some of the work was during the match, afterwards, I don't know if it was the camera work or the editing, but it was a bit pant. They, they said things. I'm not sure what they said, but you know. Yeah, we did get a little bit of Kazarian, but yeah, you're right. They, they said things and we didn't get too much, but... I like how it came full circle because the pyro that didn't go off at the beginning of the show went off at the end of the show. <laughs> it was probably the, the stuff that they triggered at the beginning. That's what I mean. <laughs> I didn't feel that way, but you know, I suppose with the pyro at the end, credit to them for trying something different because I can't recall another wrestling show doing that. No. Potentially well, for good reason. Like, what do they try to maybe? Oh, yeah. I just, I just mean to end a weekly TV show that there's yeah, yeah. not really been... 
anything like that. And just to veer away uh, from the show for a second, I'm just about to take my first swig of this Adrenalina, which is the rhubarb orange vanilla ginger and cinnamon pastry sour. And what's it Ooh. like? Oh, dear, Rob, you won't like that at all. <laughs> to be fair, I just had a hot cross bun beer the other day. I'm not a massive fan of hot cross buns, but I liked the beer. Because it wasn't over, and probably people who do like hot cross buns would be like, "This isn't a hot cross bunny enough." But had a little hint of cinnamon, so it was it was all right, really. Is that Ali's Easter gimmick, the hot cross bunny? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if she's uh, cross or uh, or what at the moment. It, it confuses me because she was doing so well in TNA, and then she goes to AEW, and she's just kind of been a bit of yeah, an afterthought, really. The beer I had was from, um, it was called Wasted. It was hot cross bun pale ale, uh, a 5% from uh, Northern Rock uh, collab with Surplus to Purpose. Northern uh, Rock? A Northern Monk. I was going to say Northern Rock. Not building society, no. That's a hell of a brand. See, I've, um, I've opened my last one. I'm about halfway through, actually. It's the, uh, the Tartarus Hecat, which mm. I've got to admit is lovely. It's the, uh, the dark chocolate and coconut stout. And it is really, really nice. It's so smooth. I'm enjoying that one. Yeah, they are beautiful. They are beautiful. I've got, um, I'm going to try it on one of the shows coming up. I've got the, uh, the Nephili to, uh, to try, which is the, uh, the peanut butter and jelly imperial. Yeah, that's lovely. That is. I had that on the last ever, uh, Tankatari. Yeah, I'm, I'm saving it for, uh, well, I'm just saving it for recording. I just uh, couldn't get, uh, I can't get too drunk tonight. I've got, I've got to be up and organised in the morning. So I'll well, stick, stick, stick into the sensible 7 and 8 percenters. I was going to say, you're not organised when you're sober, but <laughs> I can be something resembling organised. Mm. Once a month-ish. But anyway, so that, that was the end of the show. Before we get into the award section of the show, I mean, we called out a few of the YouTube adverts. I don't know if anyone saw any adverts on the show for any other products. Uh, they kept hyping the uh, the Fox Sport Net Zone or something. Well, I can't remember what they're calling it now. Uh, the FSN box or FSN Zone or something where they had all the uh, all the you know the the um, the countdown and stuff like that going on. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a bit of synergy with the channel and the promotion, so that's good. Uh, in terms of shout-outs and mentions that we've had for the show, Graham at Good Bad Wrestle from the Good Cop Bad Cop Wrestling podcast sent us, uh, it's seen a beer, it's called Hungry Man Thirsty Boy. It's a Salisbury steak brown ale and says, uh, is this the sort of thing that we've had or had something similar? Yeah, we've we, we both had the Northern Monk um, Sunday dinner beer, which has been re-released. I haven't actually had it yet. I've only had the Jam Roly-Poly beer. So I'm yeah, to, to get do, myself to Morrison's. Yeah, they're doing it in a box set. It's got the Jam Roly-Poly, the Sunday dinner, the uh, I think there's a, a treacle pudding, and an apple crumble. Oh, see, all of those are right up my street. I need to, uh, I need to get myself in for that. Yeah, definitely. Steve-O said he, he was uh, laughing at uh, me and Millwall, Chris, talking about Kid Rock and Fear Factory on our uh, review of uh, Beach Blast, uh, Beach Brawl, <laughs> and uh, said, said he was constantly uh, singing Kid Rock's Cowboy. Oh, God. Yeah. 
that was a fun record that i really enjoyed those lauren at laura's renley has um, sent us proof of her friday bubble tea that she had on the show yes yes <laughs> saw that bloody hell yeah because i asked her about it didn't i yeah you did yes uh, I, I was confused but the whole thing confused me i'm yeah. still not convinced it's real yeah I'm still not sure myself, to be fair. Yeah, they, they, they do have bubble tea concessions around here. To be honest, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan, but I know a lot of people are into it. Cy Powell at SJP Words said it's always a blast talking to us when he was uh, on for our uh, Shawn Michaels episode. At the time of recording, we've just dropped episode one, and episode two will be coming up shortly. That was a lot of fun, but it, it went a bit longer than we'd planned. Yeah, yeah, like four hours, yeah. Daniel Scottish Juggalo said he was uh, really looking forward to uh, the uh, Shawn Michaels episode. Your brother uh, Cam at CamGriff92 said he was uh, really excited about the new concept and uh, a Regal episode would be great. Yeah, good. Um, but normally I do the old, oh, you know, never heard of him thing, but it, w- it was really nice to get some uh, some positive feedback on that concept. It's something that we've uh, we've had, uh, had in our minds for a while, in it, Rob? And uh, it was nice to test yeah. the waters. Yeah, just, just a bugger to edit. Glenn Abbott at GA WrestleNuts has warned us about quoting him on our uh, shows because it may give people the misapprehension that he knows what he's talking about. Glenn does himself a disservice. I, I, I replied to him on the UTT account, which I think that's the first time I've actually tweeted from that in about a year. But it, Glenn really does know his stuff, and he's a, he's a diamond bloke and a joy to talk to. Yeah, and I mean, well, we always get a shout out on the Work in Progress podcast, and uh, Brent from the uh, Twitter for that uh, sent out a gift for Shawn Michaels uh, with that episode, so thank you very much for that, uh, as we uh, uh, regularly get a shout out on the uh, Ring of Honor Revelry podcast as well. Tom and Will, thank you for that, and uh, uh, we often get uh, (laughs) some kind of uh, photographic uh, editing of uh, what we've done and said uh, from from yourself, pig bladders. <laughs> I, I occasionally put my skills to use <laughs> and scar our minds for life. <laughs> yeah, I just like to bring a smile to the the world's face. Yeah, no, you definitely do that. Lee Conway at uh, LD WrestleCon um, got in touch uh, as well um, to say that he really liked the uh, the concept um, of the the wrestler watch along and uh, was suggesting Mick Foley and Dynamite Kid etc. And it, it is too long since we've had a bit of Lee CW on the show. Yes, we do need to get Lee back very very soon and uh, get some uh, get some more in the can. Maybe do a. Uh, Maybe do another Roller Jam ECW special or, or make our way to uh, to the one-night stand pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of uh, drunk watch-alongs of uh, Roller Jam are brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the one we've done. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure they'd all be brilliant. Oh, that would be, yeah. That, that sort of, that power hour, as it were, was uh, was a great laugh. I don't know where my New York Enforcers t I should go to All In with my Enforcers t-shirt on. Oh, please do. Please and, and convince him that convince him that there's some sort of like territory tag team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably probably could do that. Yeah, that'd be a laugh. We're on to the awards section of the show. First up is the award for match of the night, 
Uh, KPB, guest first. Who gets your match of the night? I have to go for the X Division number one contender match. It was just such a good match. Yeah. It, you know, it, 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 it grasped me from the start right the way through the match all the way to the end. And it, it had a good finish. It had, and it did have a start, middle and finish. You know, it was good. It was really, really good. Yeah, fair enough. I can't argue with that logic. Uh, Rob, what was yours? I'm probably going to give the match of the night to a- AMW for any show that AMW's on. So the match of the night, AMW versus uh, Kid Cash in Dallas. Well, they say that great minds think like an idiot's agree. I'll leave it to the listeners to decide which one this is. But I've gone for uh, America's Most Wanted versus Dallas and Kid Cash as well. It was I, I did enjoy the other matches on the card. You know, the six man was a great way to start the show, as we mentioned. Uh, even, you know, the Abyss squash match did what it's meant to do. You know, Abyss is there to be a spectacle and, and he, he ended up being one. And then KPB uh, just summed up the, the X Division number one contender match perfectly. But weirdly, I like this one because it was the one that slowed down a little bit. Not by much, but by, <laughs> compared to the rest of the card, it there was just a bit more time to breathe in this match. And that's just what I prefer. You know, it was, it was fresh, a breath of fresh air from the madness that was going on around it, definitely. Yeah, and, and also as well, I, I meant to mention this at the time, but it's it's a title change on, on, on your first episode. Granted, it's not your, your, it's not your primary title or your, you know, the, the X Division title, which is supposed to set the company apart, but it's still a big title change on your first episode. But, you know, it's, it's a great moment. So next up is the MVP award. So... KPB, who's your MVP? Mm, see, I, I was torn on this one because I liked the way they booked Abyss. I really did. But I had to go for AJ. I, I just like AJ. Yeah. AJ, at this, this point in his career, was it was was brilliant. You know, he was always a joy to watch. Yeah, he was Mr. Turner. He's the big surprise in the main event. Going on, you know, they're trusting him to sell the pay-per-view. Like we said before, you know, which they still really didn't do. You know, they didn't sell the pay-per-view really that much at all. Yeah, we talk about it being a new show and whatnot, and, and they were throwing a lot of eggs into the AJ Styles basket, weren't they? Hoping that enough people had seen him either elsewhere or were, were aware of him to want to see more for, for $10 after this outing. I mean, and I'll admit, I mean, I watched the whole show and afterwards I thought, you yeah, know, I might watch the next one, you know, and I'm, I'll probably think exactly the same after the next one. Yeah, you know, wasn't necessarily. I would go and you know track down the pay per views of the time, spend the nine ninety five. Probably not, but I would definitely watch the next episode of this. Next episode of Impact, where you can find out what happened on the pay per view. Yeah. And... Exactly. Yeah, completely understandable. Uh, Rob, who's your MVP? Uh, it's got to be AJ Styles for me. Not not even necessarily for what he did on the show, but for the importance of. You know him arriving and being the the mystery guy, and th- there's probably a lot of people watching this show that have never watched TNA before, mm-hmm. and you know you're getting this guy presented as the big star. It's just, it's just really a shame that we got such a lackluster, dejected Vince Russo <laughs> promo to bring him in, really. Um, yeah. Which you know it is bizarre for me at the moment as I'm, I'm working my way through those nitros and funders at the moment, and uh, I'm watching two or three excellent Vince Russo promos a week at the moment, and then I saw this, and <laughs> that was a change of pace. 
<laughs> I'll say the, uh, the, the, the dust you mentioned as well was a nice little name drop. You know, that did add, add a little gravitas to the uh, AJ Styles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm afraid it's not a clean sweep. I, I take your points completely, but I've gone for a guy who, who held the show together virtually from start to finish. Gave us all some much-needed knowledge, sprinkling it throughout and, you know, educating first-time viewers on, you know, roughly on who's who and, and, and what's going on. And I've gone with Mike Tanay. Yeah, I'm a bugger for a good commentator. And I thought Mike Tanay did a fantastic job. Now, to be fair, I'm watching two or three fucking awful Mike Tanay problems a week at the moment. So <laughs> this was a blessed relief. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I said to you, Rob, it was nice to see Tanay back to himself in this show. Well, this is the problem with Tanay. Now now I've got this thing in the back of my mind going, which is the real one? Is the bastard the real Tanay? <laughs> oh, God. I'll, uh, I'll choose to believe the TNA version is real. Um, you know, that's what my heart says. My head says it's probably the 2000 WCW one. Well, your head says it's somebody involved in wrestling, therefore... Yeah, yeah, I see it. The next award is for moment of the night. So KPB, you're up first. Oh, see, I still liked the um, top rope jump over to the um, springboard DDT on um, on AJ, and then went for the pin. The one we were talking about before. I, I love that moment. For me, from, that, uh, that was the moment. The one from Saving. Yeah, yeah. That was a great move. It was, it was. I had to check my notes. Well, in, 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 in a match of in a match of springboards and a show of high flying stuff, it's yeah. easy to it's easy to forget. No, it, it was saving. Yeah, it, 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 it was such a good movie. It just made me pop. I, I loved it. Yeah, well, it, it was one of those where he's done something so ridiculously spectacular, and you go one, two, and you think it's got to be it. Yeah, that was it. The, the match was done. That the match was over. Yeah, but it was done in such a way that the match wasn't over. But you didn't care because you got to see more of that. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was just a, another little pointer. Ooh, next, next, next. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me more, give me more. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Rob, what was yours? It's not really a seminal moment. It, it's just Team Canada coming out, and and the reason is whenever I watch any of this early TNA stuff. I'm just always really happy when Team Canada comes out uh, waving that Canadian flag. Sometimes it's on a flagpole, sometimes it's on a hockey stick, which yeah. makes it more Canadian. You know, I, I like I like Scott Demore, I, I like Eric Young, I like Peter Williams, I like Bobby Roode. You know, it, it, it's just yeah, it, it's great to see them together. Yeah, I get that. I really do. I was quite torn on mine because I, I was. Thinking, you know, what a great moment it was for for Styles to win the number one contendership with that, you know, that that springboard sunset flip. I know, I know, the roll through was a bit laboured, but it was still innovative and whatnot. But I think I have to go with the uh, with America's Most Wanted winning the tag titles because it was we didn't really mention it, but it was it was a roll up and it was kind of a win out of nowhere in a very competitive match. And it's the first big title change in Impact. So, yeah, I have to, I have to go with that. I'll say in the context of the match, it was quite unexpected as well. Yeah, it really was. It was a little bit against the run of play and just lays the, it lays the foundation for a rematch. 
you know, you can, you can feel this hopefully budding into a big rivalry. Um, and a special mention as well, just just for Dusty being there. And, you know, adding a bit of star quality and a bit of legendary status to the show. It was always pleasant yeah. to see him. Next one might be a bit difficult. It's it's sign of the night. So did you clock any signs, KPB? I got loads. Oh, you did better than me then, because I couldn't make them out for love no money. I think I think I need to get my eyes tested. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll, I'll read through the list and I'll save the best one, which I've chosen as my sign of the night for last. Now, I've, I got the truth. Just That was it. He just said the truth. Then we had Red Rocks. Then we had TNA Impact Rocks. Then heel section. Okay. Then we also had country. You can't see me. Right. Yeah. And my final one, which I, I'm assuming, and now I, I may be making a, a slight assumption on this, but this was uh, Jimmy Uso sat in the crowd holding up a sign saying, Marry me, Trinity. <laughs> I did see, actually, <laughs> now, I, now you mention it, I did see that one. <laughs> The Trinity was actually involved in a dark match before this started, so uh, she'd have appreciated that sign. I don't think that was country you can't see me. I think that was counter you can't see me, as in, you know, it's the opposite of the WWE product. Ah, see, it could have been. I mean, the signs were really badly written, and I had to zoom in so much. So, yeah, that could quite possibly be. It makes probably more sense than what I said. So, so I'm giving my sign of the night to the potential that it was counter you can't see me. But I didn't think this was a great night for signs because there was nothing sort of esoteric or just, just really random or personal gripes. No. Well, I have my issues with signs in Universal because I was lucky enough back, uh, oh God, a long time ago now, about seven years ago, uh, to go to an impact taping at Universal Studios. I don't think it was Soundstage 21, uh, but what I did see was was people handing out pre-made signs to kids in the crowd, mm. and it and it's always stuck in my head since then. And it it was really blatant as well because they were all in the same handwriting. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm there just thinking, Christ, you know, use your left hand, or better, or better yet, just let us in a little bit earlier. And just have a little station set up because the, the way obviously it's a theme park, there's going to be a lot of kids there, there's going to be a lot of kids who want to watch wrestling. Let them in at 15 minutes, half an hour earlier, and just have a, a couple of tables set up with a load of marker pens and then the bits of paper. I would have abused that system, I would have seriously abused that system if I was there. Yeah, but you make it for kids only. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't need some knobhead like you or me coming along and drawing a giant cock on it. See, I would have been more imaginative than that. You know me better than that, then. I would have, I would have written 3D on it, as in Team 3D, but then turned it 90 degrees so it looked like arse cheeks pooping in a toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've always been a bit dubious, then, of, of signs in, in the impact zone. But I have picked one, and it's the only one I could make out properly, and that was Hail Saving. Again, it's, it's just a catchphrase. It's like... And, I know, but... Heel section. No, Hail Saving there was as well. Oh, I didn't see that one. I must have missed that one. I'm glad, I'm glad I saw the one you didn't see. I was going to say, I saw... Oh, I was checking. I, I spent, like, sober, so long looking. I really did. Way too long on my, like, third watch through. It was like, oh. Well, that, I'm glad I'm the only person that watched this three times. 
I did. Well, the th- the thing was, I watched it the first time and made notes as I uh, as I went through because you know I wasn't really paying attention to the action itself. I was just making notes of what was happening. The second time I watched it, I actually watched it to enjoy the show, and it was it was worth it because you know I didn't have to pay attention to what was going on to write and make notes. I, I just wanted to enjoy the show, and I, I so enjoyed it just by doing it that way, so I could actually enjoy the action as it unfolded, even though I sort of half remembered. It was just nice to see it properly. And, that, and that's the thing. I think, well, the vast majority of times I watch these things, and I watch, I do it in a one I just watch it once. I'm making my notes as I'm trying to type as I'm watching it. I, I frequently pause. And maybe I need to take a leaf out of your guys' book and, and watch it once for notes and once for, once for entertainment because at the end of the day, that's what we're there for. We're there to be entertained. I guess we'll come on to this in the final ratings, but I, I watched it once when uh, I just noticed it on YouTube, and then about a week later, you suggested that we do it. And then I was going to make notes on it, but I didn't really have much time, so I thought, well, right. I'll just, I'll just stick it on, and that'll aid, aid memoir sort of thing. And then by the time I watched it the third time, um, some of the gloss had come off it. Right. Yeah, fair enough. I can see it. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, but to uh, to get into the uh, the most important pair of awards, going into uh, into the final two of these, first up we've got the Tory Wilson Award for Best Haircut of the Night. KPB, who gets you Tory? Now, there is only one for me. Even though there were so many, you know, haircuts that have changed over the years, it has to be Dallas. Dallas had a lovely mop of hair. He did. It was glorious. Yeah, I mean, now, obviously, it's about six foot longer and it's in braids. You can't really see the, the luscious looks he's got. But I reckon they're still just as nice. I think you're right. But he is, he is also 90% more terrifying now. Oh, he's built now compared to then. He, you know, he, he did look more like um, an early Drew McIntyre at that point. Yeah, but the hair helps. The hair helps with the intimidation. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you took the braids out and gave him a Farrah Fawcett haircut and pushed him out there, it wouldn't look nearly as intimidating, would it? <laughs> it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't scream murder, Hawk. No, it, it, it would look cute. I, I, I would be tempted. <laughs> it would be an intercom and Charlie would be telling him about a murder in Hawaii. <laughs> God. Uh, Rob, who gets your Tory Wilson? That being said, it's two for two so far, Dan. So are you going to make it a clean sweep? No, I am not. Boo. Because my Tory Wilson Award goes to the luscious curls of Dusty Rhodes. Mm, I don't know. He, he looked like he had a bit of Kenny Omega slash Luna Vachon noodles on his head. And then he was that embarrassed he put his own hat on his head. It, it was the hat that caused the issue. I'm giving it to Dusty and you can't change my mind. <laughs> he gets it. He didn't even like his own hair and covered it up. <laughs> I don't think that was Billy Jack Haynes, a uh, 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 stunning hairdo under a cowboy hat. I think that was an atrocity under a cowboy hat. <laughs> well, we'll see, if you, we'll see what you've uh, marked as the atrocity uh, when we give out the Rene Goulet Awards for... Uh, for Outstanding haircut of the night. Uh, KPB, who gets you in here, Goulet? When we first, you know, I watched this through, I, I was watching it, uh, immediately stood out to me was uh, Eric Young. You know, he, he had the uh, the Jeff Jarrett look. And then obviously, later on, as I, I watched through, it 
like I said before, turned out they were both wearing the same wig. So I'm giving it more to the wig than I am to the person. But it's yeah, it's the wig that Eric Young and JJ was wearing. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's I think that's a first in having a joint winner of the uh, the Rene Goulet. Rob, who gets yours? Well, there's lots of people on this show that had hair that shouldn't have hair because it's just wrong with what we know about them now. Um, the one that stuck out to me as being very wrong is Kid Cash. Fair enough. I'm feeling brave with my Rene Goulet because he's no longer an active competitor. Uh, I'm going to give my Rene Goulet to Abyss because <laughs> that was some wild frizz going on, bless him. Yeah, he needed to use some product. He did, but also, I mean, to give him credit as well, it, it did enhance the crazy. Which, so is that such a bad thing? You know, was that... No, well, well, the Rene, the Rene Goulet Award isn't, isn't necessarily a bad thing in itself. I suppose. It, 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 it's, it's, it's the crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's the most memorable, wild, crazy. That doesn't have to be a negative thing. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, in fact, negativity goes against the spirit of Rene Goulet. Yeah, I suppose it does, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say trying to butter it up just on the off chance, on the on the on the not point, not 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 one percent chance there is that Abyss ever listens to this podcast. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. Um, I was going to say there's less of a chance Rene Goulet will be listening, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> oh dear. So, last thing to do, gents, before we wrap up, is to give this show our ratings out of 10. KPB, guess first. Um, I've so far, you know, the times I've been on the show, I, I've been, I've, I've been spoiled because every single time I've, I've come on and I've seen some great wrestling. I mean, the last show I came on blew me away. This one, it, it took it to a completely different level. You know, it's it, it, completely different shows. But this one, I, I enjoyed so much. I can't go to a 10. I would love to, but I can't. Because there were you know, some glaring mistakes all the way through sort of thing, but nothing that took away from the actual action in the ring and the, the commentary and the crowd. I, I've got to go for an eight. I wow. really enjoyed it. Wow. Great stuff. That you do, you do realise... Oh, you do realise you now that now you've said you've been spoiled... Next time you come on, you are getting some utter shit. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, though, I mean, some people, I mean, I'm, the last show I went on, which I don't think it's come out yet, I showed a mate the same video I watched, and he just, he, he was appalled. He, he didn't like it at all. He, he was not impressed. And I loved it. <laughs> so, I mean, perhaps it's just me. <laughs> we'll test that theory anyway uh, in the future. <laughs> Uh, he must be dead inside if he hated Les Kelly versus Johnny Cressler. It was brilliant. It was so, so good. Yeah. I, I've smiled about just thinking about that match so many times since. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's brilliant. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And Bernard Murray as well. The referee, 10 out of 10 performance. Yeah, definitely. But Rob, you gave a rating of 10 out of 10 to the referee there in the Les Kelly, Johnny Cheslow match. Uh, what do you give this first episode of Impact out of 10? See, my problem with this is that I watched it the first time uh, before we said that we we're going to podcast about it. And I got a bit of a nostalgia hit because there's a lot of people that I like on the show and, you know, it's old TNA, that kind of stuff. And, and then sort of watched it again and then make them in the notes and then sort of dissecting it as 
television wrestling, which is what we focus a lot of these reviews on. It's not just how it's done as a wrestling show, it's how it's done as a TV show. Yeah. And there weren't really storylines running through the show. There wasn't really that hook, or, or there wasn't really a push for the pay-per-view that you'd need. And, and it is hard in TNA with a weekly pay-per-view because it's not that big, like, monthly thing. But, you know, it, it did feel like a bit of an afterthought pushing for the pay-per-view. The use of the breaks wasn't, wasn't spectacular. The, there was no sort of storylines over and above people being the best for the sake of being the best. By the time I watched it the third time, it, it was starting to feel pretty stale to me. I'm giving it 5.5. Okay. That's honestly higher than I expected from you. There's <laughs> 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 a lot that's endearing about it, and I love a lot of people on the show, but it, it's just kind of there. It's Mike Sanders for me, this show. See, I, I, I don't disagree at all with what you've said. But for me, the difference was those points didn't overall affect how well and entertained I was at the end. So for me, that's okay. I, I probably dropped it down a couple because of that, but they didn't take away from the action and the presentation from you know, the commentary team or the, 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 the wild crowd that we were listening to for the whole show. Yeah. No, well, yeah, we didn't even we didn't even mention the crowd, did we? Uh, but they were they were pretty damn hot all the way throughout. Um, the, the, the thing about the crowd is, though, I also felt like it was like watching a sitcom. I felt like there were clapperboards going up with applause and stuff. Okay. So it, it, it felt very filmed in front of a studio audience to me. It, it, it was. was. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't think it was necessarily a genuine reaction. I think it was like flash, flash, applause sort of thing. I might be wrong about that, but I just got this feeling that it, it was kind of a disingenuous reaction to it. They didn't have that when I was there. No, doesn't and, and they, they, doesn't mean they didn't back then. But. I felt about the show, sort of thing, and yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's the beauty of this, though. You know, especially when we get when we have you know guests and all that. It's really nice to to run the gamut of opinions. And as as positive as I've been about the show, I do accept that there were there were problems with it, and there were there was definite room for improvement and and my score is factoring in the fact that i am a uh, i am a bastard for fan service and for hits and nostalgia um i i like the most recent flash film because there was a lot of stuff in it that that was just cool and really you know hit on what i already like from from certain comic books and, and things like that so i'm not too far above you rob but it, I'm, I'm giving it a generous seven and that is factoring in, like I say, that nostalgia hit. If I was taking that out of it, I'd pro- I would probably be looking more around the sixth level. Yeah. But wrestling, you know, a lot of the times wrestling is about how it makes you feel. And, and, and this, this made me feel, feel good watching it. So I'm adding in that extra, that extra generosity and I'm going with a seven. And... Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I just love the fact on, on on just a wider note that people have said for twenty years that TNA is in the mud. It's going to die. It's it's not sustainable. It, it's going to be done in X amount of months. And here we are on the verge of episode one thousand, 
20 over 20 years later it's still going and long may it continue and that's that's the thing i'm i'm excited for the thousands of episode um, you know i'm actually looking forward to it. you know the excitement is still there they are doing a good job with uh, the way they book the shows yeah you know, the, the talent have storylines that follow through it, it, it's just a good show it yeah. really is and some of the talent have announced that, that, that they're bringing back and and again you know a thousand episode um i think raw did it as well we're gonna get some of that fan service you know bully ray's still in the company but we're the reuniting team 3d for the first time in seven years they're bringing the beautiful people back who were an absolute fixture in the sort of late 2000s, early 2010s. Barry Horowitz is back, yeah. yeah. Is Johnny Swinger going to be on the show? Because Johnny Swinger was on one of the dark matches. So there, there is potential for that, because Johnny Swinger at Emergence on Sunday has a, uh, has a title match. He's got a, he's got a shot at Kenny King's Digital Media Championship. So he's still with the company. And well-deserved shot as well. He's fought hard for that. He's so entertaining. He is. <laughs> he really is. Ridicu- ridiculously fun. Um, I think Dice, though, he's, um, I think he's gone from the company, though, isn't he? He was popped up on AEW or Ring of Honor the other day. Yeah, I think I don't think Zicky, uh, Zicky Dice was ever formally under contract. Um, or if he was, it was only short-term because impact... Well, as, as you know, KPB Impact do like to do either short-term contracts or or run very limited dates so that talent can wrestle elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And it's, it's one of the things I really appreciate about because they'll bring somebody in for a limited run, do whatever they need to do, they'll leave. But then it's a bit like the old territory days. It leaves you wanting more. Nobody gets overexposed. It's like recently the, the whole oldest, Nick Oldest. Um, obviously, he's just signed with WWE, and he had like um, three see. appearances or four appearances. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a producer. Oh, right. Holy shit. Fair play. Yeah, he basically did like three, four appearances for Impact, um, had a big match, and then went to WWE, by the sounds of it. Yeah, went out uh, went out on his back versus Eric Young, who was returning to the company and, and reigniting his, uh, his feuds, and yeah. Great match as well. Really, really good match. It was, yeah. So yeah, it's just been a pleasure to to look back on this and and to see TNA go from where it was to where it is now. Sorry, Rob, would you would you like a word in edgewise? Well, I would just say, would it surprise you that the community vote on cage match has given this an average rating of five point six nine out of ten? Yes. Nice. <laughs> six nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very close, very close to your rating. And, and like I say, if I was, if I had the rose tinted glasses off, you know, I'd, I'd be down at around a six. So it almost splits hours, uh, I mean, you know, splits hours in half. I would probably say the same. To be fair, I mean, I haven't seen this uh, particular show since probably a couple of years after it happened, mm. and you know, I've not seen it since. So for me, it is complete nostalgia. Yeah, that, that's probably why my vote's so high because you know, it, it just made me pop. Yeah, and then there's nothing wrong with that. Like I say, it's. At the end of the day, wrestling's there for us to be entertained. Whether you know, whether you're getting lost in the in-ring action, which is most likely on this show, or you, you know, you're getting lost in in, in the storylines, and that's that's what it's for. Yeah, and it, it's definitely not a show that I wouldn't go back to. You know, I will happily watch this again. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a rewatch factor in there, isn't there? Um, I know, Rob, you you were. So I think that's one of your phrases that you coined in 
uh, along the line in the, in the running UTT. Yeah, and it's funny with wrestling because you know you compare this to you know you do the Doctor Who pod Dan and yeah. Doctor Who has, you know, gone off into syndication, being repeated on the BBC, being repeated on Gold or Watch or, or whatever channels um, it happens to be on. And every every episode that they've done has this life thereafter where, you know, it gets watched over and over again. I mean, you know, I mean, I used to do the AEW versus Minder ratings. And, mm. and those Minder ratings must have been broadcast over 100 times each. Wrestling, for the most part, is disposable. It's one and done. Mm. Um, so, so it is really impressive when you get something that people will go and watch, um, you know, several times without having to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that perfectly describes my wrestling brain. Actually, it, uh, what you've just said, Rob, because I watch a match or I watch a show, and quite often it is one and done. You know, I do not remember anything. Ask me what I watched last week. I cannot remember it. It's just one and done and move on. Yeah. That's exactly how my brain works. I, I, I can't store wrestling information in my head at all. Yeah. It's, mind you, the, the, uh, I have a bit of a theory on that about the uh, the disposability of entertainment and the impact of streaming services, but I think that's a topic for another day in another podcast. So if it's all right by you, gents, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap that up, to, to, up for today. Uh, KPB, thank you for joining us for this uh, this first episode of Impact on the uh, on the week of the thousandth episode of Impact. Uh, can you let people know where they can find you? Generally on Twitter and Twitter alone, I, I don't do much out. I go on there, I interact with people, I take the piss out of people. I literally spend all my day just creating pictures and making people look stupid. That's all I do, really. And my uh, probably should give my handle. It's at Pigsbladders. I was going to say, mate, it would be helpful. Yeah, yeah, well, it's fine. You, you, we've all had a couple of beers. Uh, and sterling work you do too, I must say, the, the images you knock up, even though some of them are vaguely traumatising, they're never not entertaining. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping tonight with uh, Dave Mouser does uh, sort of like the, do well, a sort of prediction of what's going to happen at the weekend. <laughs> I'll have a look at that when we're done. Um, I'll jump in and let Rob do the professional outro. Uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. If you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, head over to SJP World Media where you can hear me on the aforementioned Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell where we look at one episode or serial per Doctor Per series to see what lands with the classic Who stuff for, for me as a modern Who fan and the reverse for Cy. And you can also hear me on The Volley, where we're doing live alternate commentary for various Premier League games and no doubt dipping into uh, into Champions League and Europa League and whatnot. Uh, and we also have a weekly roundup podcast. That's myself, the magnificent Matt Lewis, and Connor from at Connor Knows Footy. Rob, can you take us home, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm just gutted that you're not reviewing any championship games. You know, you might be able to uh, go and see... Uh the mighty terriers hold them onto a draw so <laughs> hey Robert, you're more than welcome to come on and do one of those if you want i, I i've told you many times dan i'm not a football fan i'm a Huddersfield fan <laughs> <laughs> fair enough buddy fair enough yeah the only thing i know about <laughs> other teams is <laughs> which ex-Huddersfield town player plays for them <laughs>
That'll be funny, Champions League. Yeah, which confounds everyone at work that I'm top of the Fantasy Football League. So you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back on the same channel that you're listening to this. You can go on Man's Meet podcast with Danny out, Scottish Juggler, and the real Chris Bellis, and they're going through the forgotten storylines of wrestling. Wrestlers that might not get that much love, that kind of thing. They do have a side project, Cold Cuts. Season one, they looked at uh, all the episodes of Wrestle Society X and Wrestle Society Extra. They do have something in the works that they've sworn to secrecy about. So on uh, pain of uh, stabbing from the Canning Town Stabber, we're not going to reveal what that is. But it will be well-researched and entertaining, as all their um, stuff is. So it will be really worth checking out and probably uh, already been out for a while by the time this episode drops. In terms of our side projects, we do have a couple coming up in the next couple of weeks once we've got through the Lost episode series where we tried to uh, do an ambitious uh, thing of getting 17 different guests on to cover uh, WCW (laughs) New Blood Rising 2000 when fell flat on our face after the first three. So we're working our way through that. But after that finishes, we will have a couple of side projects the first one, Pig Bladders, you, you were uh, a guest on Kelly Club with us. And it was an honour. It was such a good show that I, I really enjoyed, and I will watch it again and again and again. Yep, and, and that was um, covering the life and times of legitimately one of the hardest men that ever lived, Les Kellett. And um, our, our other side projects on Stacking the Dadatory, we are following every match that Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks have on their road to Wembley in 1981, which was the um, uh, a match watched by 18 million people. Um, so one of the most matched wrestling matches of all time. We did have another side project on Booking the Tankatari, which followed the life and times of legitimately one of the hardest men that ever lived, one David Tank Abbott. Uh, unfortunately, we've finished that now. You can go back in the archives and listen to that. But if you head over to the Twitter for that, at UTT Tank, you can get some hashtag tank facts. Such as, there's an old saying, you shouldn't hunt what you can't kill. And you cannot hunt or kill Tank Abbott. Very true. Only the fools have tried. Pig Bars, you actually supplied one that uh, if you combine five tanks together, you get a mega tank like in Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done one that thing. Yeah. And Tank Abbott knows what is inside Shane McMahon's lockbox. He does. He's not sworn to secrecy. He just doesn't want anybody else to know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there we go. That was it. That was the first episode of Impact to to coincide with the thousandth episode. KPB, thank you again, Rob. I feel like I'm stealing your thunder for finishing the episode off. No, well, I was going to say we're back to the last episode, so we'll get back into a bit more uh, uh, New Blood Rising goodness that we recorded about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I still can't ask. It shows how naive we were at that time, doesn't it? Because we thought we'd be able to, oh, yeah, we'll get like we'll get over a dozen guests on and we'll have it done within like within two and a half hours. We did three matches and it was, ab- it was about two an hour and a half. half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the silly little babby podcasters we were. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, though. I hope you enjoyed the last episodes and I hope you enjoyed this episode. So I suppose the last thing to say is thank you for listening.
title shot. The winner of the match and receiving an X Division title shot this Wednesday, AJ.